a part of the show at 336-3700 or toll-free 1-800-529-KBOI. Now, back to Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. Into a Tuesday morning, and thank you for listening. Big day uh, for Boise State. Battle for number one in the Mountain West will be happening. You'll be able to hear all the action here on News Talk KBOI, actually 670 KBOI, uh, tonight once again. And congratulations to everybody who got those tickets. Mm -hmm. Uh, All I'll say is please yell loud. They're going to need it once again tonight. The winner will emerge as uh, the lone leader in the Mountain West. I don't know this for a fact, but my guess is that the attendance has been gradually going up the more they have this winning streak. Yeah, I in in the they haven't had a lot of home games, but in the home games well, that I've seen, um, you know, it's been pretty good crowds, but I'd love to see just a huge crowd mm-hmm. um, tonight for Wyoming because it always makes a, a difference. No matter who you ask, coaches, players, it makes a huge difference when you have a huge crowd cheering you on. Um, and this is this is kind of a, a like I said a, a big game. Um, they're going for win number thirteen in a row tonight. Is that right? That's, thirteen that's in true. a row. Thirteen yeah. in a row. Thirteen in a row, which would tie um, last year's all-time. longest win streak yeah. and the all-time win streak. Um, this one, and I agree with Bob Beeler. This one is a much bigger deal because of the quality of teams and the fact that the number of teams that they have played on the road. Um, last year, you know, they had uh, four or five wins against the worst teams in the yeah. Mountain West. They don't have that in this current win streak, and a lot of them are on the road. So in places that they don't very often win, like San Diego State, where they have only won three times in history at San Diego State, and the last time they won there was 2016. Same for Utah State. Last time they won at Utah State was 2016. They're just they're finding ways that's to a, win. That's a good streak to break. Yep. Great streak to break, and hopefully they'll uh, break that uh, streak, at least tie the streak tonight, and then uh, they'll be playing San Jose State at home again next week. We have tickets for the San Jose State game um, that you can also win here from uh, News Talk KBOI this morning. So if you want to lock in your speed dial, you can do that. We've also I, got I've, tickets to the golf and travel show that ooh, we'll be giving away this that's, morning. That's nice, too. I'd love to go to that. Uh, I've got uh, something to warn you about. Oh, gosh. Today is opposite day. You know how people are always saying, hey, it's today's opposite day, and they, they don't really mean oh, it. That sucks. Today actually is opposite day. That sucks. Or maybe it isn't. You look no, horrible today. I'm not going to take advantage of this, though. <laughs> um, some other news to report that happened uh, after we were off yesterday. Uh, one of them happened late last night. Idaho 55 has now officially reopened after the weekend rock slide, and not a moment too soon. This would have been horrible for the McCall area had this happened this past weekend because mm-hmm. the McCall Winter Carnival gets underway this weekend. So there will be uh, thousands and thousands of people headed from the Treasure Valley up to uh, the valley in, in McCall for the opening weekend of McCall Winter Carnival. So they officially opened last night at 9 o'clock. If you want to travel 55, you can officially uh, do that. Third rock slide wow. in uh, the last year that has completely closed down the road. Um, the last one happened in November, closed down the road for 18 days. Luckily, 18 days would have killed the McCall winter. It wouldn't have killed it. You just would have had so many more people try, having to go all the way the long way around. When uh, my in-laws were in town from Virginia one time, we took them up to McCall, and my father-in-law just casually remarked at one point, why didn't they put Boise here? This is a much better location. <laughs> 
It would be awesome. I mean, it was too much money. Even with $2.9 billion of surplus and a lot of that going to infrastructure, I mean, it would be awesome to be able to have a four-lane freeway from Boise to McCall. It would take you an hour to get to McCall then instead of the current two hours or when there's traffic, three hours. Um, you know, if you could if you could put that four-lane freeway from here to Coeur d'Alene, you could get from here to Coeur d'Alene in mm-hmm. about five and a half hours instead of nine hours that it takes yeah, you now. And you wouldn't have to go through any other states to get there. No, no. Uh, other news. I don't know if you paid attention to this um, yesterday. At one point, the Dow was down over 1,100 points yesterday. Oh, of course I did. And the end of the day, when I saw that, I go, oh, my God, how good is this? How bad is this going to be? Um, and then late, last night, as I'm, you know, looking and prepping for today's show, I go, well, let's take a look at the Dow and just see how bad it got yesterday. And I'm like, it, up 99 points. And I yeah, go, it, okay, uh, what date it, is this? I'm, it, it, I'm, I thought I had the wrong date. It rebounded at the very end. 1,200-point turnaround. It was very exciting, like a, like a ball game of sorts. 1,200-point turnaround from the daytime low to claw its way back into green numbers, and all three of the indexes did the same. At one point, the NASDAQ was down three and a half points yesterday. It ended mm-hmm. up in green numbers. I, I was trying not to obsess about this yesterday. The problem was I was trying not to obsess about it for eight consecutive hours. <laughs> uh, once again, we'll uh, talk with Jeremiah Bates, find out what happened here. I have a funny feeling, and we'll, we'll find out from him. He knows more about this. I have a funny feeling that prices just got, so low that everybody remember the blue light special at Kmart oh, when yeah. they used to be open. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think everybody went, wait a minute, th- this is too good to pass up. I'm going to start buying, and they looked at it as a as as a sale and started buying stuff back. Um, digital currencies came back up yesterday. Same thing I think happened there. Well, is, I was just I was just asking you know Jeremiah, uh, how come they were doing so poorly the last few days? Yeah. And I I think it got to the point where a lot of people said, all right, this is this is the level where you know, it's maybe bottomed out a little bit. Let's start buying some of the stuff back. We'll find out from Jeremiah. Um, I may have spoke too early because futures trading right now, <laughs> the Dow is down 350 points. Um, so uh, <laughs> it's just wild swings. Now, as crazy as this all is, and, and you know, I, I looked at my 401k, which I probably shouldn't have done yesterday. Mm-hmm. I looked at my 401k, but, I mean, there is still some encouraging stuff about my 401k. Like, like it's down 8% this year since January 1st. Oh, that's too bad. You know, which which is a lot in, in just one month, a little less than one month time. But in the last year, since January of last year, it's still up 14%, that's even nice. with the 8% loss. So, I mean, it's, it, it's not all doom and gloom. We've no, seen such are- a... Such a rise that it's actually in, in very, good very shape. decent returns. Yeah. Um, what do you want to talk about today? 208 336 3700. Are we going to war? We'll talk more about that uh, with Russia leaning more and more on uh, the Ukraine and intelligence saying that uh, some sort of invasion looks like it might be possible. We'll talk more about that coming up this morning. Right now, it's time for your first check on what's going on with sports. Once again, brought to you by Fat Guys Fresh Deli and Meridian. Get in today for lunch. Soup, salad, sandwiches, wraps, any sandwich that they have on their menu can be turned into a salad or a wrap. Get in and find out why they are the state's number one rated deli, Fat Guys Fresh Deli and Meridian. Good morning. We look at college hoops first, and today a very big day. First place in the Mountain West basketball standings will be on the line tonight at Extra Mile Arena when Boise State hosts Wyoming. Both teams are unbeaten in conference, and the winner will be all alone atop of the standings. 
Unlike some of the other teams in the Mountain West, the Cowboys are an elite offensive team, averaging nearly 80 points a game. And they've got a big guy in the middle, six foot nine Graham E.K., who was averaging over 20 points a game. Coach Rice on why he's been a handful. That kid has been a force down low. You know, their system provides that opportunity for him, number one, but also provides the space that a guy like that requires. And because, you know, they're doing such a good job of shooting the ball and moving the ball, you know, it gives him space to operate down low. The Broncos will need another superb defensive effort to keep the Cowboys scoring under their average. Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. By the way, there was one game played in the Mountain West last night. San Diego State defeated UNLV by a score of 80-55. to And there are three other games on tap besides Wyoming being at Boise State. Fresno State will be at New Mexico. Air Force is scheduled to play at San Jose State. And Nevada will be at Colorado State. I'm Rick Worthington. Tonight at 10, it's Michael Knowles. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Uh, one other thing uh, I forgot to mention that uh, happened after our show was done yesterday morning, which was kind of a big thing. Idaho has activated crisis standards of care again mm-hmm. as Omicron surges uh, in Boise and southern Idaho. This happened after we were off the air uh, yesterday morning. Idaho Department of Health and Welfare has now activated crisis standards of care throughout southern Idaho once again. Um, three local public health districts, uh, the action was uh, taking place in Central District Health, which encompasses Ada, Elmore, Boise, and Valley Counties, uh, South Central and Southwest District Health, which covers the rest of southern Idaho, will have crisis standards activated also. Um, that began as of yesterday. Now, you remember Idaho activated crisis standards of care once before back in September when the Delta variant prompted more serious cases and hospitalizations of younger unvaccinated patients. And while this this is something we've talked about that people say, why are we worried so much about uh, Omicron? Uh, people are, you know, not dying at near the record pace they were with the Delta variant. Um, the problem is you have so many, in some cases, seven and eight times more people sick at once. Over the last week, we've had huge record numbers of cases every single day, and that's with a backlog of positive tests at over 30 thousand tests that still have not been entered into the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare's website. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you have, even though people don't get as sick, as the number of people don't get as sick, the number of people don't need ICUs or emergency care, um, you have so many more people getting sick that it's overloading the health systems. Wow. And the other thing, and this is one thing that we've talked about, as a matter of fact, we talked about it uh, last week. Um, the, some of the health systems just are extremely low on blood. Mm-hmm. So they can't handle the number because they don't have enough uh, blood in case there's some sort of emergency that from, comes around. From the health and welfare uh, website, it just says, when crisis standards of care are activated, it is serious. Your ability to receive care in a hospital will likely be affected. It may look very different than how you have received care in the past. Surgeries are being postponed, emergency departments are full, and there may not be any beds for patients to be admitted to the hospital. So we got that to look, to look forward to. Yeah. And we've, we've talked about this before, in case you forget what else this means. It, it also means that, you know, in, in choosing patients 
that if, if they are short on room, they triage them. Yeah. And they triage them differently than normal times. In normal times, the most serious, the ones that have the best chance of dying get treated first. In crisis standards of care, that's not necessarily the case. The ones that they save, they feel that they can save yeah. and have a better chance of save get treated first instead of the ones that are most seriously you know, injured, especially if those that are seriously injured, there's not a big chance of being can, able to save them, even if they do get a chance to work on them. I can fix you. You're not very broken. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's it's fairly serious. How'd you like to wake up this morning knowing that you had, you know, some sort of surgery scheduled, yeah. you know, a knee hey, operation maybe. or whatever? It's like, nope, you're nah, not coming in today. Sorry. Right now. Yeah. Kind of sucks. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Uh, those are some of the things we'll be talking about this morning. Uh, our phone lines are open if you would like to talk. And as usual, we always encourage you to participate in the show because the show is about you. Other ways you can get in, uh, you can also email you can email Chris at KBOI.com or Mike at KBOI.com, or you can text us 208-336-3700. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. 6.33, he is Chris Walton. I'm Mike Casper. Thanks for listening in this morning, 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Might want to lock that in as your speed dial. We'll have some uh, chances for you to do some winning this morning. We have tickets for the uh, next home game. Not tonight. This will be next week against San Jose State. Boise State taking on San Jose State uh, next week. Extra Mile Arena. So if you want to win those tickets, we'll have those to give away before 10 o'clock this morning. Also on the way, Boise uh, Golf and Travel Show will be going on. Uh, Super Bowl weekend will be going on on Sunday. Now, usually the Golf and Travel Show goes Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but because of the Super Bowl this year, it will be going on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Thursday night is VIP night, and then uh, it will end at 5 p.m. on uh, Saturday. I always like going late because there are a lot of people who bring their stuff in who don't want to take it back with <laughs> so them you, and you pack get some it pretty up. good deals? Well, I, my, my current set of irons, I went in, and I wasn't even planning on buying irons that year. I mean, I, I was thinking about it, and I was... I was hitting them uh, there on their um, into their net, and and it was going pretty good. And I kind of liked them. And they say uh, they were. I think they had them listed for like fourteen hundred dollars. And they said, uh, so we don't want to take these home. Uh, what would you like to buy them for? And I go, well, I like them, but I'm not really, you know, ready to pull the trigger yet. And it's like, well, if you were, what would you? Uh, <laughs> well, what would you offer? And I, I gave a ridiculously low price, so it, knowing they would never say yes. And mm-hmm. I said, I only have about seven hundred dollars. So, really, I went really. I go for seven hundred bucks. So I, you got a nine hundred dollar discount, or what I, was it? Yeah, I, it was uh, it was fourteen hundred dollars. Oh, so half so five hundred dollar discount, half price, or no seven hundred. Exactly yeah, seven hundred. Well, I can't do math price. this time of the morning. And, and then I was upset that I didn't say five hundred dollars. <laughs> Like, if they're willing, they really didn't want to pack them up and take them back. You should have had me with you. I would have said (laughs) (laughs) $99.99. So, um, but some great deals. You you get, uh, for everybody that goes, you get a free round of golf at Scotch Pines Mm -hmm. uh, in uh, Payette. So, uh, once again, that's the uh, golf and travel show coming up. We'll have tickets to give away, a four-pack of tickets to give away with that, with our Casper and Chris, damn near impossible question. By the way, I also want to remind you, sweet deal of the week, another sweet deal. This will not last long. There are a lot of people. We're in Idaho for crying out loud, and people love their meat, and they love their barbecue meat. R&R Barbecue, the Village of Meridian, and 8th Street in downtown Boise. Uh, two locations for you, Award 
winning barbecue, chopped and sliced brisket, ribs, pulled pork, and a whole lot more. And you have a chance to get a $50 gift certificate for only $25 this Friday morning. So just be ready, 9 a.m. sharp. Like I said, this is another one of those that will go very, very quickly. It's a half-price deal. All you have to do is go to KBOI.com. And right now, if you want to check it out, there are some sweet deals available you don't have to wait for until Friday. Just go to KBOI.com. Click on the sweet deal link. Remember, if you missed any part of Casper and Chris this morning, check out their podcast on the KBOI app or on KBOI.com. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 641. After uh, seeing a 1,200, that's right, 1,200-point turnaround on the Dow yesterday. Dow is uh, currently down about 300 points as of this morning, um, ended up yesterday. All three indexes, uh, all of them were down over uh, the Dow and uh, or the NASDAQ and the Standard & Poor were huge down. Huge amounts, yeah. Yeah, over 2%. Um, the uh, Dow was down, I think, one uh, almost 2%, maybe a little over 2% also. And all of them came back late in the day um, to uh, claw back into the green. I thought there was no way that was going to happen yesterday, but just shows the volatility, as uh, Jeremiah Bates has been saying, what the stock market is doing right now as they try to find footing and figure out what the heck is going to be going on mm-hmm. here uh, in the future economically. Uh, I think also what's going on in the Ukraine might be weighing in a little bit on that. Yeah, true. And this is this is something that we'll be talking about a little bit later and getting your thoughts. And matter of fact, if if you'd like to start weighing in now by emailing Chris at KBY.com or Mike at KBY.com, you can do that. But a new Department of Homeland Security bulletin warns that Russia could launch a cyber attack against U.S. targets on American soil um, if it believes Washington's response to its potential invasion of the Ukraine threatens its long-term national security. I uh, was watching something and heard that the other day where they said that, you know, if there is an invasion, it will start with cyber attacks. My question uh, that I'd like to ask, and uh, there's no, you know, right answer on this, but I just want your opinion this morning. If Russia does launch various cyber attacks, whether successful or not, and this wouldn't be the first time, but... in this particular instance where the United States is trying to protect the Ukraine along with NATO, and if Russia says, as they do, that they deem this a threat to their national security and launch a cyber attack or multiple cyber attacks on U.S. soil, is this a declaration of war? Do you view this as a declaration of war? Yeah. What does it mean to, say, the United States? Yeah. Um, and what would you wish would happen if you think this is an attack on the United States. It's not a necessarily a physical t- attack on the United States as as you would in in past where you have military installations put at stake, mm-hmm. lives put at you know threat. But you would have a lot of problems, especially if a cyber attack were successful against some of the more important infrastructure items here in the United States. And it's not, like I said, it's not the first time that Russia um, has launched cyber attacks. Uh, we've, heard, we've heard for years that they have the ability to do it and that the only reason they haven't is because it hasn't been time yet. 
Russia-based cyber criminals were behind two of the most destructive cyber attacks in recent history, including the ransomware attack that caused operators of the massive Colonial Pipeline to shut down in May of 2021. That led to widespread gas shortages and increasing gas prices. Soon after, hackers linked to Russia targeted meat supplier JBS. What would happen if a successful cyber attack were launched against, say, our electronic electrical grid in the eastern part of the United States or western part of the United States that shut That's down good. a third of the country or something I, like that? I think we'd be in a world of hurt for a while. Yeah. And, and so my question would be, and like I said, we're, we're going to talk more about this this morning. If something like that happened, as, as it looks like we have intel that that is you know, what Russia is threatening, is, is that a declaration of war? And how do you respond to that? We'll talk more about it this morning. KBY Newstime is 645. Let's get a check on what's going on with sports right now for you this morning. Once again, brought to you by Fat Guys Fresh Deli, the place to get through uh, lunch. Find out why they were rated number one deli in the entire state of Idaho. Get in for lunch today. They open up at 1030 Monday through Saturday, just off Wells Avenue in Meridian. Good morning. We're all missing baseball, and this is about the time of year where we start thinking about when pitchers and catchers are going to head to camp. Well, Major League Baseball and the MLB Players Association say they do plan to meet again today after yesterday bargaining sessions led to the first sliver of progress between those two sides since the uh, league began locking out the players back on December 2nd. In the face-to-face meeting, which lasted a couple of hours, the union offered a proposal in which it dropped their request for age-based free agency and significantly cut the amount of revenue sharing it asked the league to funnel away from small market teams. The day before the lockout, Major League Baseball had asked the union to remove three items from their list of desires. Number one, changing the six-year reserve period before free agency, lowering arbitration eligibility to two years, and adjusting revenue sharing when the MLB Players Association declined to do all those things. Negotiations ended. The league implemented that lockout and the sport's first work stoppage in more than a quarter century. So what am I trying to say? There's some talks going on, and that's positive for baseball, right? I'm Rick Worthington. Download the 670 KBOI app for your smartphone for free. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 657 Dylan in uh, Boise. If the United States has a cyber attack from Russia, what should we do? I remember clearly I was in just out of basic training I just got into a roommate scenario with a friend of mine, and I remember somebody walking up and trying to tease him a little bit and, like, poke him or something like that. My friend grabbed a wire coat hanger and whacked the crud out of the kid that was bugging him. He never did it again. We should respond as if it is. There is no toy in a little tiff or a fight. I'm like, I believe it like fighting forest fires. If you're going to play around, you need to get on top of it and go at full force, like end it. This is like the preface for World War III. Look at World War II history. So you think uh, physical response rather than, you know, necess- not necessarily a, uh, a, a cyber attack in kind, so to speak? I would say everything. 
sanctions make yourself physically present and shut down their system and cripple their infrastructure however you do it maybe it's cyber but it's like no we're not going to play these games all right dylan thank you very much appreciate it we'll talk more about this this morning 208-336-3700 pound 670 on your verizon wireless uh if you'd like to get through on email you can also email us very easily mike at kboy.com or chris at kboy.com uh, coming up here for you this morning, still on the way, want to lock in your speed dial. A couple of different reasons why you'd like to do that at 208-336-3700 or pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Uh, on the way for you, we'll have tickets to give away uh, to Boise State's next home game against San Jose State. That's coming up next week. So we've got tickets all this week we're giving away. We'll have another chance for you to win those tickets uh, coming up here this morning. That's on the way. Plus, we have a four-pack of tickets to the Boise Golf and Travel Show coming up the 10th, 11th, and 12th of February. If you'd like to win those, that's coming up here this morning. A four-pack of tickets with our Casper and Chris, damn near impossible question. Brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty, here to help you purchase or sell your property uh, call 208-888-4128. Our question today, according to experts, people born in 57, 68, 79, 89, 2000, and 2013 will live an average of 5.2 years less than other people born in other years. There's a specific reason why they say that that is going to happen. What's the reason those people will live over five years less than other people born in other years? If you know the answer, stick around. 8 o'clock, we'll give you a chance to answer and win. Today from 10 to 1, it's Dan Bongino. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. It's time for the KBOI Medical Moment, brought to you by Regents Blue Shield of Idaho, featuring Dr. Jim Polo. Dr. Polo, good morning. Good morning. Doctor, over the past couple of weeks, we've been hearing more about uh, this year's newest public health worry, Fluorona, what should we know about it? (laughs) Well, first of all, it's important to recognize Fluorona is not a new virus. It's not a new disease, but it is the word that's being used to really kind of talk about folks that might have simultaneous infection uh, of both COVID and flu, because as you know, we're in the traditional flu season right now. So, you know, physicians and public health officials are really watching uh, for this, and we've been talking about it uh, with the public for quite some time now. What kind of symptoms are there with Fluorona? Yeah, so it's important to recognize that both corona and influenza are respiratory uh, infections. They are different viruses, and so there are some some similarities, but there are some differences. Uh, the similarities include fever, coughing, fatigue, a runny nose, sore throat. Uh, sometimes people have diarrhea, muscle, and body aches. When it comes to coronavirus, the, 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 where it becomes a little bit different is when folks really begin to have challenges with shortness of breath. So shortness of breath would be a little bit of a differentiator. Uh, influenza tends to have more of that congestion and more of that wet type cough as opposed to a, a dry cough. But both, uh, both of these viruses put a strain on one's immune system. Uh, and so if you have both happening at the same time, uh, folks are going to be potentially a little bit uh, more at risk. Besides locking ourselves in our home by ourselves, is there anything we can do to reduce our chances of getting this combo bug this winter? Well, you know, I'll never, I'll never skip an opportunity to remind folks that vaccination is, is probably the best way to go. You know, vaccinations are safe and effective for both of these, okay? 
Um, so, so that's the first thing I would recommend. R- remember, vaccination doesn't prevent you from getting exposed to it, but what it does do if you're vaccinated is it protects you, fight it off when you're exposed so that you don't have uh, bad outcomes. And then, of course, all the other traditional things that we talk about, uh, you know, making sure that you're practicing good hand hygiene, making sure that you're staying away from crowded environments, if you yourself have a cough, making sure that you uh, cover your mouth, wear a mask, uh, all the traditional things that we've been talking about relative uh, to preventing COVID are the very same strategies that that we could use uh, to prevent spread of the flu. While American Heart Month and National Wear Red Day aren't until February, uh, you're wanting to start talking now about the importance of women keeping a year-round focus on their heart health. Why is that? Oh, yes. Well, Uh, There is a relationship between cardiac health and cognitive health. In other words, heart health and brain health go hand in hand. Um, And, uh, and, you know, most folks are interested in making sure that they're continuing to function well from a cognitive perspective, perspective as they age. And so taking care of your heart is one of the ways that you can do that the best. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Yeah, Probably it's easiest to talk about a new study that came out, which included about uh, 1,800 adults in their 50s and 60s, and it found that those individuals that had heart disease or risk factors for it showed a much greater decline in their memory uh, and their cognitive thinking skills over time. And further, it showed that that decline in women was twice that of men. Um, So, you know, The bottom line is if you focus on addressing uh, heart health, you're going to have a downstream improvement of your um, um, brain health. What is the key takeaway from this? Well, it's critical that folks really uh, make sure that they see their primary care doc and that they're actually taking care to get all their preventive screenings and making sure that they know what their numbers are. Uh, Very often, some of the early physical signs of heart disease are not things that we feel. Rising blood pressure, as an example, is not something that you'll feel. So it's important to make sure that you're getting in for your routine care, talking with your doctor, uh, and making sure that you're appropriately screened. So if you know your numbers and you're staying away from from heart disease, you're going to have an improved outcome in terms of your ability to think. That is the KBOI Medical Moment brought to you by Regents Blue Shield of Idaho. Dr. Jim Polo, thank you for joining us this morning on KBOI. Always a pleasure. Get 670KBOI on Alexa. First say, Alexa, enable the 670KBOI skill. Then when you want to listen, say, Alexa, open 670KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki Monday was asked under what circumstances would the U.S. evacuate American citizens and diplomats out of Ukraine? And if so, can that be done without the military? Psaki said the State Department issued guidance to Americans in Ukraine to consider leaving the country now via commercial flights or private transportation options because that is a, quote, standard process the U.S. does in countries where there are security concerns. There is not an intention or a plan for any military evacuation. The Ukrainian government is criticizing this decision to pull diplomats' families out. They are unhappy with the message that it's sending, basically, that it implies that the U.S. believes a Russian attack could be imminent. They are much more skeptical about the likelihood of that attack. That's what we hear when we're here. At the same time, the U.S. is saying, essentially, that this is about an abundance of caution. 
So we've been talking about this for weeks. We have heard that there is reliable intel. There's a build up of troops in Russia along the Ukrainian border. The intel last week, and we talked about this here um, with Casper and Chris, that the intel says that there are plans in place to invade the Ukraine capital by Russia. Now we're hearing that uh, Russia might possibly, once again, intel saying launch a cyber attack against the United States if they do anything to help the Ukraine. If, if once again, if, if as Russia says, Putin has said, mm-hmm. oh, we're not planning on invading the Ukraine, then why the threats? Russia. Why, why, if you do anything to help them, we're going to cyber attack you. I, I don't know if this makes any difference, but Russia this morning announced that they're going to uh, be having a series of new military drills. Now, I wonder if they're trying to say that, no, we only lined up on the border of Ukraine because that's where we want to do our drills. Pentagon yesterday put 8,500 troops on alert as uh, Biden consults with European allies on the Ukraine. And once again, reiterating that this isn't just a United States problem. This is a NATO problem. John has written in and says the Russia-Ukraine situation is a distraction from the real target. The real target is China reclaiming Taiwan. China retook Hong Kong and has been growing islands in international waters for years. This is a coordinated event between Vlad and Xi Jinping. Not sure the current administration is smart enough to see it. We'll take more of your phone calls and emails right now. If you want to email us, uh, you can get those in. Mike at KBOI.com, Chris at KBOI.com. In the meantime, time for another check on what's going on with sports. Once again this morning, brought to you by Fat Guys Fresh Deli. Check out what they serve. You can get it at com. Let's catch up with what's happening in the Mountain West. On the hard floor last night, San Diego State defeated the UNLV men's basketball team. Final there wasn't close. It was 80-55 to in San Diego. There are three games on tap tonight outside of the Boise State-Wyoming game. You've got New Mexico hosting Fresno State, San Jose State hosting Air Force, and Colorado State welcomes the Nevada Wolfpack in. And, of course, there's the big one tonight at Extra Mile Arena. It'll be the Broncos taking on Wyoming. Boise State is 6-0 and in the Mountain West and will host the other unbeaten team in conference play, Wyoming, tonight at 7. So that means first place is on the line. The Cowboys are led by the current Mountain West Player of the Week, Hunter Maldonado, who's averaging 17.8 points and 6.7 assists. Coach Rice talked about trying to control him. Number one, the ball's in his hands a ton, and he's been making people around him a lot better, and he just can control a game. He has a great way of scoring and making others better, which is that's what great players can do. So he's he's a hard matchup and a hard guard. The Broncos had their own Mountain West Award winner this week. Tyson Degenhart was the freshman of the week for the fourth time this year. He averaged 13 points in the three wins. Bob Beeler, News Talk, KBOI. You can get more information on the game tonight online at KBOI.com. I'm Rick Worthington. Time for the Morning Market Report. Powered by CapEd Credit Union. Keeping you informed about your money before the market opens. Sponsored by Tree City Advisors. On News Talk, KBOI, Boise. Jeremiah Bates once again uh, with us this morning to talk about your money. And Jeremiah, I just have to say, yesterday was the most fun I have ever had on a roller coaster ride since Splash Mountain. 
I was going to say, if you were watching the market yesterday from open to close, you probably felt pretty nauseous because it was a wild ride. So I'm sure most most of the listeners have seen it in some way, shape, or form. But just to give you an idea, the Dow Jones was down over 1,100 points, down three and a quarter of 1%, and ended up in the green of three-tenths of 1%. The S&P 500 was down nearly 4% at one point yesterday to finish in the green up roughly three-tenths of 1%. So volatility is set, and it continues to rattle the markets. And if we're... And not to sound redundant, we covered this the, over the past week because nothing's really fundamentally changed as far as information feeding into the market. But the market has jitters right now. How fast will the Fed tighten? The Federal Reserve is set to begin its two-day meeting starting today. And they're going to release their statement on Wednesday at what pace they're going to tighten their policy. And again, you have earnings coming through. And the market's really looking at this as saying, hey, let's, let's price this out. If we're wrong or the Fed tightens too fast or earnings aren't meeting expectations, let's get a lot of this out of the way. And additionally, yesterday, you had a lot of pre-programmed trades. I mean, if you saw that rate of that dip and you saw a lot of triggers hit where it just automatically sent money going in, we saw a tremendous volume in the equity markets yesterday. So, I mean, it's we've we've never seen the Dow Jones Industrial Average shave that mu- that much of a loss to close higher. It was the first time in history. So that's just it gives you an indication of what type of volatility and how the market's looking at this. But you, as an investor, I know it's scary when the when we see market declines like this. They can be painful events, but this also provides opportunities. One of which, and we're big fans of here at our office, is Roth conversions. You can trim your future tax bill out of the way now. Paying these, you know, historically low tax rates, and when the market drops, that's when you convert money from your pre-tax IRA to your Roth IRA. You still get that qualified account designation, that tax-deferred growth, but you're getting the tax bogey out of the way now at a suppressed account value. So you kind of convert it a low, and then as the market recuperates, if it takes place inside of your Roth, that can potentially be tax-free money. You can also do tax loss harvesting. If you have a non-qualified account, meaning not inside of a like an IRA or an HSA, just held in your name or joint name, you can find a loser and book it. You can book it as a loss to offset some of your gains. So true, when you see this type of market activity, it can make you anxious, but having a plan, you can be opportunistic in this. And again, when the market's down, buy low, sell high. What a concept. So if you've had money sitting on the sidelines, you know, you've been waiting for that opportunity to get in. It's not very often where this type of volatility allows investors to buy at a dip. Real uh, quick question here before we let you go. Um, You know, you mentioned the increase in the uh, Fed rates and interest rates are going to be going up. I mean, we know that, but you also talk about um, stock market hates the unknown. How much of what's going on in the Ukraine and with Russia is, I mean, because that's unknown about what's going to happen. How much of that is affecting what's going on on Wall Street? Certainly, it's certainly a factor. I think, I think the, the, in the near term, the primary focus is the Fed and things like that. But I mean, seeing that news line of that, uh, geopolitical turmoil, it's not, certainly not going to bode well. I mean, imagine if we saw a headline tomorrow or, you know, any day for that matter, where we actually see Russian do that invasion, you can certainly expect a, uh, a knee jerk reaction. Cause again, like you nailed it, market does not like uncertainty. They want, um, they want to know what's going on. And that would certainly put another drop in the uncertainty bucket. All right, Jeremiah Bates, uh, we'll find out exactly what the stock market is doing coming up here in a few Hold minutes. Hold on to your hats. <laughs> we'll get an update from you. Uh, looks de- to open up down as of right now, a couple hundred points. Um, but we'll talk to you again coming up uh, here in an hour. Get an update and talk to you live again tomorrow morning. Thanks, gents. 
Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. 7.35, big game tonight at Extra Mile Arena. It's the battle for first place against Wyoming, and you'll hear all the action here tonight on 670 KBOI with Bob Beeler making the call. Congratulations to everybody who won their free passes to go. Hopefully you'll be yelling very loudly uh, tonight during the game. Uh, next home game will be next week against San Jose State. We have another pair of tickets to give away. As a matter of fact, right now, if you're listening, as a uh, thank you for waking up early this morning, uh, we have a pair of those tickets for you, 208-336-3700 or pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. We'll give you those tickets to next week's game, San Jose State, Boise State. You want those tickets? Call right now. Caller number six. They are yours. Dial carefully and good luck. Ben Shapiro this afternoon at 1. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 741, thanks for being with us this morning. Remember, you can always be a part of the show by giving us a call, 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless, or toll-free 1-800-529-5264. One of those people who took advantage of the phone number and was caller number six, Daniel Cheney. Congratulations. Tickets to next week's game uh, at Extra Mile Reno. Boise State taking on San Jose State next Wednesday night. Once again, they've got a game tonight for first place. Hopefully uh, next week it will still be the first place <laughs> Boise State Broncos. Yeah, I hope the winning streak continues. Yeah, uh, playing, going for win number 13 tonight against Wyoming. Something's got to give both teams undefeated in Mountain West play. Marine Bob wrote in, you know, he's a big basketball fan of Boise State. He says, my friend and I, who in other years went to all the BSU home basketball games, decided to see about biting the bullet, getting our masks, and going to the BSU Wyoming game. Then we found out the concessions are closed, so we decided to not go and watch in our home skyboxes. <laughs> I didn't know the concessions were closed. Yeah, which I don't I don't understand. They said it's because, because of COVID. Of, of COVID. Um, I, don't, I, I call BS on that. I, I don't have any inside knowledge or anything I, I like that. I can't think of a better reason. I mean, or any reason that you should close them except maybe that one, though. But if you're going to allow up to, what, what's the Extra Mile Arena Hall? 11,000 fans to be there sitting right on top of each other. You why can't as, you sell water? You might, as, might as well give them some Cokes and popcorn yeah, I, or something. I, that, that's what I don't get. I, my <laughs> personal feeling is yeah. this has more to do with they can't find workers. That's what I think. That's a possibility too. Now I don't. I I don't have any inside knowledge, but they say it. You know, due due to COVID COVID protocols. Mm-hmm. I I I just think that it's might have more to do with they, they should, can't find people to staff. What they should do concessions. is uh, open the concessions, but put up signs that say "Help wanted, start right now." <laughs> you know, and the crazy part, since it you know cost you what eight ten dollars for um, a drink and a hot dog. Yeah, or or whatever yeah, it costs. Stadiums I mean, are pretty much just like movie theaters. Yeah, they, I mean they they could be making you know a lot of money even if mm-hmm. they even if they opened up just a few of the concessions stands. But yeah, concessions closed for tonight's game. Unfortunately, I think movie theaters operate uh, uh, under the understanding that uh, people will pay almost anything for a snack if it's their. Only alternative. Yeah, you know, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's like, how many times do you go? And it's like, man, I don't want to pay $15 for popcorn, but 
What else am I going to yeah. do? I, the popcorn smells delicious. They do that on purpose. I guess I could sit here and watch the movie without popcorn, no, but that's crazy. What? Yeah, that would be just ridiculous. KBY News Time, 745. Time for our final check on what's going on with sports this morning. Brought to you by Fat Guys Fresh Deli in Meridian. By the way, we still have another pair of tickets for the San Jose State game that we're going to give away this morning. So even uh, though Daniel won right there, stick around. Another chance for you to win. Uh, this update, Fat Guys Fresh Deli in Meridian. Get there for lunch today, just off Wells Avenue in Meridian. Good morning. In sports, we're all still wondering about Tom Brady. Will the Buccaneers quarterback hang it up? Or will he decide to play another year of football with the Buccaneers? Well, he indicated yesterday that his family's going to play a substantial role in determining whether or not he'll play next season. He also said that if this is it, he could walk away proud and satisfied, even though the Bucks lost that game to the Rams 30-27 to and eliminated from the playoffs last weekend. He did say, though, and I think this was the most telling quote, my wife is my biggest supporter it pains her to see me get hit out there, and she deserves what she needs for me as a husband, and my kids deserve what they need for me as a dad. Now, that doesn't mean that he's leaving football, but it does leave the door open that he could walk out. Tom Brady, by the way, has three children. He has his oldest son, Jack, that's 14. He also has two other children with his current wife, Giselle Bunchton. They have a son, Benjamin, who's 12, and a daughter, Vivian, who is now nine. I'm Rick Worthington. Listen to KBOI online. Go to KBOI.com and click the Listen Live button. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless to get through and participate in the show. You can email Chris at KBOI.com, Mike at KBOI.com. Send us an instant message through our fan page on Facebook, or you can text us, same as our main number. Um, kind of a cool story um, that uh, hit nationwide from right here in little old Boise, Idaho, last week. Um, the Adventures of Dylan Helbig's Christmas by Dylan Helbig himself. A book. Is now available to check out. Eight-year-old Dylan Helbig has always had big aspirations. He's wanted to uh, put a book in the library, he says, since all the way back when he was age five. By the what, way, is, what is he now? He's age eight. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, three years is a long time when you're that age. Um, Dylan was finally able to uh, realize his lifelong goal of having a uh, book in the library when he wrote his own book, illustrated his own book, and then snuck it into a library. <laughs> I've been wanting to put a book in a library since I was five. There was a lot of librarians that I had to get past, so do you know what I did? I covered this part and covered the back with my body and just snuck it in. And then I put my book right here. The next time I came back, it was gone. I thought that we had lost it, you know, and I figured somebody would probably find it and put it in Lost and Found. His uh, parents were worried that we would find his book and we would get rid of it, which was an unfounded fear. <laughs> I think it was in our story section. Um, so yeah. he was the library, to... we don't get rid of books. <laughs> very, very uh, cool that he was able to sneak it into the library. <laughs> I was talking about the librarians. <laughs> Uh, I love his little list. Yeah, that too. was that was fun. Uh, by the way, it's Dylan Helber- Helbig's Christmas, C R I S M I S by Dylan. 
Ilbig himself. So there's, you're saying there's no book editor? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, he he self-edited. All right. Yeah, self-edited, self-illustrated. It is, it is cheaper it. that way. Uh, by the way, it is now in the system at Lake Hill, uh, Hazel Library Branch. You're able to uh, check it out as long as you have a library card. However, um, there's going to be a wait because there's already a waiting list to check the book out. Mm-hmm. Got a little bit of publicity. Just just a little bit. So congratulations, uh, Dylan. Way to sneak that into the library. <laughs> uh, when's the last time you checked your uh, spam folder? Uh, actually, day before yesterday. Did you? Yeah, I started, I've started checking it because I found that a lot of things that I was expecting are ending up there for some reason. You, if you are sitting at home, might want to uh, check your email spam right now. Uh, you probably have a message about how you've won money somehow or entitled to uh, something. Maybe somebody from Nigeria is going to give you millions and millions of dollars if you would help them out. Um, just because, you know, people are waiting for some fool to believe them. A Michigan woman named Laura Spears was looking through her spam folder recently for a missing email from a friend. She came across a notification that she'd won the lottery. And it was legit. Laura had purchased a Mega Millions ticket, the Michigan Lottery website, for a drawing three weeks earlier. She matched five numbers to win one million, and she had the Megaplier to multiply her prize by three. Uh, she did something smart, though. She didn't click anything in the email. She logged into her Michigan Lottery account to see if it was the real deal. It was, and she claimed her prize at Lottery Headquarters last now, week for $3 million. Why did they Why did they have her email and know which uh, ticket she purchased? Probably uh, just the way the Michigan Lottery is run mm-hmm. would be my guess. Laura said she's since added the Michigan Lottery to her safe senders list. I guess that's for the next time she wins the lottery. I suppose so, yeah. <laughs> By the way, the, 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 the horse is out of the barn. For those of you who, like me, wait until you know you get big payouts, Powerball just recently, what was it, almost $800 million or over $800 million when somebody finally hit it? Yeah. Mega Millions tonight, $400 million. Million here, million there. You're pretty soon, you're talking you, about a lot you, of money. You can't even say that word without looking a little like Dr. Evil. I, I can't. I can't. $400 million. Almost a half a billion <laughs> dollars. So you want to get your lottery? Mega Millions drawing is tonight. Uh, no winner tonight. Probably going to be close to half a billion dollars in their next drawing coming up this uh, coming Friday. KBY Newstime, 756. Drive home live and local with Nate Shellman this afternoon at 3. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Today is uh, National uh, Opposite uh, Opposite Day. Uh, if you'd like to participate, feel free to come out, call us up, and do the opposite of what you would normally do. Like coming up in twenty minutes, we have a chance for you to lose tickets, a four pack of tickets to the Boise Golf and Travel Show. All you have yeah, to do is fun. not answer our question. No, it doesn't even work. Uh, I, I tried. Uh, according to <laughs> experts, people born in nineteen fifty seven. 68, 79, 89, 2000, and 2013 will live for an average of 5.2 years less than people born in other years. 
specifically, why is that? 5.2 years less if you're born in 57, 68, 79, 89, 2000, and 2013. Seems hardly fair. I know, doesn't it? Uh, People born in 54, 64, 76, 86, 96, and 2008 will live the longest, by the way. If you know the answer to this question, 20 minutes from now, if you can answer it correctly, we have four tickets to the Boise Golf and Travel Show for you. For your Google Play, simply say, Hey Google, play 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Good morning. Into the 8 o'clock hour we go. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Our uh, former president, President Trump, received a lot of criticism because of his nasty tweets. He was sometimes rude to reporters and roundly criticized by Democrats for his rudeness and being unpresidential. Here's an example of one of those. Go ahead. Sure. She's shocked that I picked her. She's like in a state of shock. I'm not thinking, Mr. That's President. okay. I know you're not thinking. You never do. I'm sorry? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um... People lost their minds when he uh, said Kofefi one time. Oh, he didn't say it. He, he typed it. He typed it, yeah. And, and uh, tweeted it, uh, I don't know, probably um, accidentally, I would guess. People did not like that he was unpresidential. So i got to ask, and it'll be interesting to watch the fallout of this uh, that happened yesterday, um, if this will be considered unpresidential. Do you think it That's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> that was Fox News correspondent Peter Ducey uh, asking about how inflation might affect the midterm elections and whether he thought it would affect the midterm elections. And uh, like I said, once again, inflation. in case you miss that. More inflation. What a stupid son of a bitch. Very presidential there, I think. <laughs> Quite presidential. Um, you might remember that uh, when Biden was running for president, he said this is um, the type of stuff President Trump was doing, said that he'd be better. He was going to unite and not divide. That is one of the reasons why Tulsi Gabbard specifically threw um, her support behind Biden when she dropped out of the race. I know Vice President Biden and his wife, and I'm grateful to have called his son, Bo, a friend who also served in the National Guard. Although I may not agree with the vice president on every issue, I know that he has a good heart and he's motivated by his love for our country and the American people. I'm confident that he will lead our country guided by the spirit of aloha, respect and compassion, and thus help heal the divisiveness that has been tearing our country apart. So that was her comments uh, about, what, a year and a half ago. I'd like to be guided by the spirit of aloha. <laughs> I'd like to be there. For more uh, than just, be, you know, a week every five or six years. <laughs> exactly. Um, now, recently, what are her thoughts um, on these same subject? I supported Joe Biden, and millions of other Americans voted for Joe Biden because he promised to unite us. He promised to bring us together, to end the divisiveness. Sadly, not only has he failed to do this, he has betrayed us all by pouring fuel on the fires of divisiveness that are tearing our country apart. Now, Biden compares those who 
disagree with him to racists, traitors, to enemies of bygone eras. And Biden now has his attorney general targeting millions of Americans as domestic terrorists. We face an elevated threat from domestic violent extremists. That is individuals in the United States who seek to commit violent criminal acts in furtherance of domestic, social, or political goals. Domestic violent extremists are often motivated by a mix of ideologies and personal grievances. We've seen a growing threat from those who are motivated by racial animus, as well as those who ascribe to extremist, anti-government, and anti-authority ideologies. So if we allow this to continue, our country, our country, the country that we love, the land of the free, the home of the brave, it'll be unrecognizable and it'll be lost forever. That was once again uh, Tulsi Gabbard, one and a half years after supporting Biden and thinking that uh, he was going to help you unite a divisive, she thought, country. Um, I don't know necessarily if you do that by calling uh, somebody a son of a biatch or not. Like I said, the you know the last president, that was uh, one of his phrases that he used a lot when he was doing his rallies. But, he, but did he call anybody? A, <laughs> yeah, like, like dozens of times. Uh, reporters and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. Did he? Okay. He certainly did. I, I don't remember that ever happening. Um, but as I said, as I mentioned, Biden said he wasn't going to do that. He. The only reason I know it is I was watching something last night, and they showed a compilation of uh, Donald Trump saying, mm-hmm. uh, son of a, you know, right. in, uh, in, in various uh, contexts. And apparently he really liked to say it a lot. I got a kick out of... Do you remember when Biden, when uh, uh, the Affordable Care Act passed and and Biden whispered or thought he was whispering into uh, Obama's ear, uh, this is a really big effing deal. But he didn't didn't say effing. Uh, Yeah. Um, I I found it interesting on CNN, watching CNN last night talking about this. Um, They kind of glossed over and said, it's not that big a deal. Um, He he did it on purpose. He got caught on a hot mic is, is what happened. Um, and CNN is saying, it's not that big a deal. He did it on purpose. If you look at his smile right afterwards, he's doing it on purpose. I'm sorry, I think that makes it worse that you're doing it on purpose rather than accidentally getting on a hot mic under that's your breath a, saying that's, USOB. That's kind of a good point, really. <laughs> I, I, didn't get, I didn't get the point they were trying I meant, to make. I meant for you to hear that. <laughs> yeah, it was like, what? what? I, I get CNN trying you know, to cover I, for I him, don't. But, I, I don't swear in, in, in regular life. Oh, bull... I'm sorry. You know I don't. <laughs> I know. I'm giving you, you know I don't. I'm giving you crap. But, I know, exactly. But uh, I get the feeling that if I were the president, I would. Every day? Probably. Probably wake up. Probably every hour. Um, stick around. Coming up here next, we have a chance for you to pick up four tickets to the golf and travel show coming up here in a couple of weeks with our Casper and Chris, damn near impossible question. But before we get to that, it's Bronco Sports Today. The Great One, Mark Levin, tonight at 7. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Uh, uh, we may have another... Damn near impossible question that turns out to be impossible. Don't very often happen. It's happened less than a dozen times. So no, so nobody had a guess as to why if you're born in 1957, 1968, what are the other ones? 79, 89, 2000, and 2013. Okay. They will live an average of 5.2 years less than other people. 
Nobody has called to answer that question at 208-336-3700. Nobody has called to try and get that four-pack of tickets to the Boise Golf and Travel Show. Well, when you asked me, I didn't know it. You didn't know it either? No. Um, this is one of those things where we say if you listen to Casper uh, and Chris every single morning, all morning long, you're going to learn something new. I didn't know this before uh, I had read this. Doesn't look like we're going to have uh, anybody call this morning, so uh, we'll go ahead and give the answer and call this an impossible question, the Casper and Chris impossible question this morning. Um, people born in, by the way, 1954, 64, 76, 86, 96, and 2008 will live the longest thanks to being born because of this. we got one person that's called. What's your name? Brandon. Brandon, do you have an answer for this? Yes, sir. I want to say, is it because they're all leap years? Because they're all leap years? No, that is not the case. Good, 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 good guess. guess. Okay. Yeah, it was yeah. a good guess. Uh, good morning, News Talk KBOI. What's your answer? Uh, please turn down your radio. Uh, what's your answer? Yep. Downwinders. Downwinders. Another good guess, but no, that is not it. It's actually uh, getting, getting warmer, though. Yeah, it is getting warmer. Um, uh, the reason is, thanks to peaks in solar activity during those years, apparently UV radiation from solar rays affects growth during pregnancy in the womb, causing those people to be born in those years to live with a lower life expectancy. 5.2 years. That's a lot of years uh-huh, just yes. because you had uh, high, higher solar activity during, during those years. So no winner today. That's the bad news. The good news is we still have uh, those four-pack of tickets to the Boise Golf and Travel. So somebody's got to win them. We'll give those away coming up here in just a little bit, give you another chance to win. On the way, we've got news. And then it's Bronco Tuesday today. Bob Beeler, we'll talk gymnastics. They get underway with the season coming up here this Friday. That's all on the way next year on News Talk KBOI. This is Bronco Tuesday, where we discuss the Olympic sports at Boise State. Now, here's Mike Casper, Chris Walton, and the voice of the Broncos, Bob Beeler, on 670 KBOI. Look at that. Busy, busy day for uh, Bob Beeler. Got the game tonight, Boise State, Wyoming, and then still takes time with us little people here on <laughs> KBOI to talk with us on Bronco Any, Tuesday. Anybody who's seen us would not call us that. <laughs> uh, good morning, Bob. To tonight, guys, uh, 6.30 airtime for uh, Boise State basketball going for 13 in a row. And we've got another uh, winter sport that's getting ready to start this week. Uh, the gymnastics team underway Friday night at 7 at home against Southern Utah. And their head coach, Tina Bird, joins us. Uh, Tina, how are you this morning? Good morning, everybody. I'm doing great. Well, I'm sure you're probably doing greater now because you actually get a chance to start. You had a pause, didn't get your first meet in, so this is the first meet. Correct. We are ready to go. Well, tell us a little bit about the team. What are the expectations? I know at the original poll you guys were ranked, but since you didn't get to open, you drop out of the rankings, so now you have a chance to get back in. Yeah, definitely. Um, the girls are definitely ready to go and have been uh, chomping at the bit since we've been held back the last couple of weeks. And they're getting to watch the other teams, you know, post scores and get rankings and all that. So we've just been taking advantage of the extra time in the gym and are hoping to come out, you know, gangbusters this Friday and have a, a we're going for a record season opener. So what would that be? That would be over 196, which would be pretty good for our first first time out so we'll see 
So this was uh, the 11th time since 2010 that the team has been nationally ranked to start the uh, year. Um, Boise State, it seems like every year, comes back with a strong team every single year, even though you lose uh, players every year. How are you able at Boise State, at Boise, Idaho, to uh, rebuild a team like that every year? Well, we have been fortunate enough over the years to have – a couple of coaches on the national coaching staff. So they know a lot of coaches all over the country. I'm former head coach, um, Neil Resnick, and now current, uh, my assistant coach, Yvonne Alexoff, is on the national staff. So it gets our name out there and, you know, gets the Bronco logo in front of a lot of kids over the years. Where do you usually uh, recruit uh, on your own? You know, I would say we, we used to recruit uh, mainly out of Nevada, California, Washington, um, Arizona. But we have a lot of kids on our team this year from the East Coast. We've got a couple from Pennsylvania. We have one from New Jersey. Um, so we're kind of branching out. We have a one from Texas, and we're kind of all over the place. We're visiting with Tina Bird. She is the head coach of Boise State's women's gymnastics team. They open the season Friday night at 7 o'clock against Southern Utah. It will be a Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference meet. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the conference? It sounds like everybody in the league is ranked. So is the league stronger this year than normal? Um, We've been really strong over the past few years. Last year we were uh, one of the only conferences to have every team in our conference ranked in the top 24. So um, this year, everybody's kind of improved. It's anybody's game who's going to win conference this year. Of course, we're going to take back our title after we had it for five years and BYU beat us out last year. So we are, you know, that's our main goal is to get that title back this year. But every team in our conference is strong. Utah State's really coming out this year um, stronger than ever, and they, they might be the top-ranked team in our conference. I did not look at the rankings this morning, but... Um, it's going to be a dogfight. There are 13 uh, members returning from last season's squad this year. Uh, can you give us an idea of where you think this year's team is, uh, strength, their strengths and weaknesses are? You know, uh, somebody asked me before, what's your week event? And I, I really don't think we have one. We are super deep on every event um, and confident on every event. Last year, our strongest events were beam and bars. And those are the two hardest events to um, compete. You know, obviously the margin for error is a lot smaller on those two events. You have to be a lot more precise and technical. And we're known for those two events kind of in the past. But this year, you know, we've got four freshmen that you might see in the lineup on floor the first meet, which is pretty unheard of. So we've really built up our strength in that event. And we also have a really good vault team returning. We've got all those seniors coming back. We have seven seniors this year. Um, so I don't really think we have a weak event. Now, is somebody going to come on uh, Friday night, make it a little bit easier and maybe more fun? What do they want to be looking for? What what do they need to be paying attention for, especially if someone has never been before, Tina? Well, I'd say just sit back and enjoy. Don't try to figure out the scoring. <laughs> it's subjective. <laughs> you, never, you never know what the judges like and what they don't like. So, you know, the main things are do the girls hit handstands on bars and when they land each event, do their feet move or not? They're really pretty much that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> is, is the judging really that varied from place to place? You know, it really is. It, it is. A lot of times, um, a good example is Emily Mullenhaus from Chasing Down the 10-0 on, on bars. She's gotten a 10, 110 from a judge 
probably about five times in her career. So that puts her score at a, you know, nine, nine, seven, five instead of a 10. And a lot of times we will put a little inquiry in just to find out, you know, where are you getting that little half tenth on this beautiful bar routine? <laughs> and I swear every time we put one in, it's a totally different. Oh, she had a toe here, a little toe here. And this one said, oh, sure. Position on this. It's just something different every time. So we just try to be as perfect as we can in all areas and learn from, you know, what their feedback is. But sometimes you just got to put that aside and, you know, you can't get caught up in all that because it is out of our control and it can drive you crazy. During a match, is there is there any way during a match that you, you see that they're changing on, on the interpretation of how they're judging? Can you change the way um, that uh, your team is competing based on that? Um, no, and we're only allowed to put an inquiry into the judges if they get the start value wrong. So if we feel like the, the gymnast value should start at a 10 and they flash um, a start value of lower than 10 then we can put in an inquiry. But other than that, um, you're not allowed to change the order once the rotation has started. Unless somebody gets hurt, you can substitute somebody in. So really, you just got to go for it. And we're going to be talking with Emily Muhlenhop uh, coming up here in just a few moments, Tina. Uh, how good is she? And you mentioned how close she's been to a 10. How rare is a 10 nationally? And can she get it before the year is out? She can definitely get it. I've seen her do routines that were 10 worthy um, time and time again, and probably, probably five times in a meet that I wouldn't have been shocked if she got a 10 um, She has come back stronger than ever. She's just really beautiful to watch in that event. When you when you watch her do bars, a lot of people can do the same routine that she does, but just her lines and her swing, it's just amazing. And she, I think she's, you know, in the back of her mind, she wants to get that 10, but she also just knows that she's got to focus on just, you know, what she does in the gym every day and not worry about the score. And hopefully it'll take care of itself. I think everybody in the nation is rooting for her to finally get that 10. <laughs> And as far as how many 10s this year, there have been way more 10s given out in NCAA gymnastics in these first few weeks than ever before. So I don't know if the judges are getting braver or the the gymnastics level is going up, but I think it's going to happen for her this year. And how does she stand nationally? I mean, is is Emily somebody that could win a national championship? Definitely. She, um, the last two years, she's first team All-American on bars, and she's finished fourth in the country each year. So she's right in there with everybody. Coach Tina Bird, thank you for uh, taking uh, time with us this morning. We're going to let you go because uh, we're going to talk with Emily coming up here next. We'll take a uh, quick break. Bronco Tuesday continues. Bob Beeler with us once again. We're talking women's gymnastics. Now back to Bronco Tuesday on 670 KBOI. 848, Bob Beeler with us once again. It is Bronco Tuesday, talking uh, other Olympic sports. And once again, we're talking gymnastics today. And Emily Mullenhop joins us. She is a uh, fifth-year senior from Castle Rock, Colorado, getting set to start the home season Friday night at 7. So, Emily, uh, had about a week and a half or so that you've had to wait for this. Uh, Are you eagerly looking forward to the start of your final season at Boise State? Yes, I think the entire team is very grateful to be starting the season with um, this COVID going around. I mean, a lot of sports have been canceling here and there, so we are 
very excited to be starting finally. <laughs> so what about uh, your season? Do you, you, you're so good on the bars. You were so close to a 10. How much better do you think you are this year coming back? You finished fourth last year. Where do you think you're better and how much better are you? I think I'm right where I am last year, except I think that I'm more confident in myself this year. And I think that that's really helpful for a gymnast to have that confidence so that you aren't freaking out before you go up for a routine. So I would say that I'm just that much better. I mean, I don't want to sound cocky, but <laughs> I feel like I, I truly am. I've gained more confidence this year, which is going to be helpful for this season. Do you want to uh, remain in the gymnastics world after college? I would love to, but I'm actually hopefully going to medical school. Well, gymnastics will definitely prepare you for that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've had um, lots of injuries in my past, which have actually led me to want to be a doctor. Interesting. So I hope that one day I can help people like that helped me. Emily, um, you had mentioned you, you don't want to sound cocky. First of all, I will tell you that none of your competitors are probably listening to us uh, right now, so you can go ahead and be as cocky <laughs> as you want. Uh, but you heard from your coach. Um, you were on hold when we were talking to your coach, saying that uh, you definitely have the talent to uh, win a national championship. What will that take for you to do that this year? I think consistency is key. When you're competing, you get ranked by your scores. So if I were to have a week that I didn't do as well, it would decrease my ranking. So I think that maintaining a good routine every week is critical to um, being in those top standings. Emily, when you do a routine, do you do the same one throughout the season? Do you add, do you subtract things as it goes along and uh... – how do you come up with what you want to do and how different is it than, say, what somebody else is doing? Yeah, so um, I do the same routine throughout the entire year. In fact, I've done the same routine for the past three years. And what you do that changes throughout the season is your technique may change or the corrections may change. For example, I might have flexed my foot in my release move on the bar. So then for the next couple of months in the season, I'm trying to point my foot. <laughs> and the routine itself doesn't actually change. Uh, I asked this question of your coach about the team, but I'm going to ask the question uh, about you personally. Um, you've got 16 career titles on the bars, uh, putting your second all-time in program history. Um, what are you you feel your strengths and weaknesses? I feel that my strengths is hmm I would say that I'm able to be super critical of myself. I mean all gymnasts are, but I think I can look at it in more of a positive way, and I think that's something that I've learned throughout my time at Boise State instead of getting down on myself and um, being sad, they, I may have not done something correctly. I think that I'm now able to look at it more in a positive way and be like, okay, this is something that I can change to better myself.
It's Bronco Tuesday. We're visiting with Emily Mullenhop, the gymnastics team opening the season Friday night at 7 at Extra Mile Arena against Southern Utah. All right, Emily, you have been just fantastic on the bars. There's four events. Why is the bars your event as opposed to the floor? I, I don't know if you do those other events, but why do you think you gravitated and are really good at the bars? What What is about it that uh, makes it so? I think as a young gymnast, my coaches always loved bars, and so I was always forced to spend more time on the bars, training bars, doing bar um, skills, doing bar shaping. Just I always was doing bars as a kid, and I think that that really propelled me to be um, better in college. A lot of gymnasts um, don't come from a club gym that is as hyper-focused on the shaping as my gym was. So I was able to really work and distinguish myself from a young age on the bars. Emily, thanks for being with us uh, this morning, taking a a couple of minutes. Continued success uh, for you. Hopefully we'll be talking about you in uh, the breath of a national champion later uh, this year. But uh, (laughs) hope you have a uh, widely successful season and good luck this uh friday as you get underway thank you so much thank you for having me kby news time is eight we'll take a break when we come back the rest of the week and what's happening in bronco sports now back to bronco tuesday on 670 kboi Eight fifty six, bronco tuesday bob beeler with us uh just the beginning of your busy day today bob yeah, busy day today. We'll start with uh, the game tonight. Boise State tries to remain unbeaten. Wyoming, the other unbeaten team in the Mountain West. Pre-game tonight at 6.30 on 6.70 KBOI. We've got women's basketball tomorrow night at 6.30. The women are in Wyoming. Thursday night at 6, we've got the uh, Inside Bronco Basketball Coaches Show. Friday, we've got men's basketball at Fresno State. They're one of the contenders this year. That'll be an 8.30 start, later start, because, of course, we're there in the Pacific time zone. And the women will finish up the week Saturday afternoon at San Jose, 2 o'clock start. So virtually every day this week, I think every day this week, from now on, we've got some sort of basketball between tonight and Saturday. Nothing wrong with that. Um, by the way, I just want to ask you just your personal thoughts. Boise State can do uh, like they've done against, what is it, 14 other teams and hold Wyoming to under 60 tonight? You think they can <laughs> well, come out with a win? I, I don't know if they can hold them under 60. Wyoming's one of the best offensive teams in the league. They average close to 80. So I think holding Wyoming under 70 is going to be good tonight. All right. Uh, Thank you, Bob. Uh, We'll talk to you again uh, next week. Um, And uh, looking forward to the call tonight. I am too. KBOI Newstime, uh, 8.58. Our phone lines are open, 208-336-3700, pound 670. Under- Be a part of the show at 336-3700 or toll-free 1-800-529-KBOI. Now, back to Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. What a stupid son of a bitch. Um, that was uh, remarks by uh, Biden um, caught on a hot mic. Fox's uh, Peter Ducey asked, do you think inflation is a political liability in the midterms? Um, his response, it's a great, great asset. And then he called him uh, that particular name yesterday. Um, Mike. I think uh, that was his way of saying, well, what do you think? <laughs> Mike wrote in. I, I'm sure glad uh, 
that uh, Governor Brad Little, when we asked if he was going to, uh, you know, officially say whether or not he was going to run for governor, um, said, what do you think, instead of calling us uh, <laughs> stupid <laughs> SOBs? Yeah. Uh, Mike writes in, former President Trump's behavior was predominantly unpresidential, dodging tax returns, playing up to Putin and other dictators, and with his White House wearing uh Swearing tirades, making presidential history. Trump damaged the country more than any other recent president. Meanwhile, President Biden's demeanor is predominantly presidential, with a very occasional outbreak of swearing and frustration, especially at Newsmax and Fox Newsmax and Fox reporters. So, Mike, or I'm sorry, Joe says, um, as who wrote in there, um, basically, as long as you're having those outbursts at Fox and uh, Newsmax, it, it's presidential. Um, otherwise it's, it's not, it, it, it depends on who you're having your outburst and calling an SOP, I guess. Like we say, we don't have just a half hour of, uh, Walter Cronkite at the end of the day anymore. Uh, we have, you know, thousands and thousands of news outlets and they're all going to tell their own story. So uh, people have more of a, a tendency now to listen to the one that they agree with. Uh, Robin writes in, hi, uh, Mike and Chris. Biden has uh, been caught on the hot mic several times calling reporters names, etc. Trump was all out there with it. No shame in his game, not <laughs> saying that that was the right thing to do, but they both are basically doing the same thing. Yeah, I was it's, impressed. It's kind of the point I was making, that it's it's very similar. I was impressed with Peter Ducey's response to the incident. He took the high ground. Good for him. Always enjoy the conversation. Thanks, guys. Thank you, By Robin. the way, we, sh- we should mention that Peter Ducey also... Um, after this happened, um, said that President Biden called him up and apologized. apologized. Oh, that's you know, interesting. Uh, apologized for it. So um, that would probably lend credence to the fact that CNN yesterday, in, in watching their response to it, um, said that it was okay because he did it on purpose. Um, if he did it on purpose, he probably wouldn't have called up and apologized. Now, we mentioned Donald Trump calling several people uh, an SOB, and uh, he meant to and did not apologize for yeah. it because he always did that I mean, on purpose. if you're going to call somebody an SOB, it's either presidential or it's not. It doesn't depend on who you're calling an SOB. Um, you know, so if you're going to say Donald Trump well, was not presidential for calling people SOBs. If it's Putin, I mean, that sounds presidential. <laughs> Putin's an SOB. Uh, Jeff uh, writes in, well, at least Biden isn't calling the press enemies of the state. Mm, true. Yeah, just SOBs. I wonder which is worse. Probably probably enemy of the state. Um, another email in, uh, Mike at KBOI.com. Um, no name on this one. It says, Mike, I just learned that Biden and the FDA removed the ability of any American to have access to monoclonal antibodies. The article claims the FDA says they show no sign of helping. There are thousands of people who would say differently. Some of my own relatives. This is an absolute atrocity. How do we overrule Biden? He tried this last September in Florida. Is now cutting supply to the entire country. Would love more information from you guys, if possible. Um, I did. I did look this up for you, and, and there are some misconceptions in in your email. The FDA um, removed emergency use none of them are fda approved as right. of yet they're only approved under fda and there are more than just a couple of monoclonal anti- antibodies um that are approved for use um the fda just stopped emergency use against a couple of those so not all of them just a couple of those and the reason is 
that they are showing that they don't work against Omicron. Right. The the antibody. That's what the FDA found out. Yeah. yeah. The antibody treatments. Um, I'm going to try to get these. I, I I may get them completely wrong. Bamlanivimab and etesvimab both administered together, and then the other one is. You, know, you were absolutely right. You did get those wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Regen Cove. Um, those are the two that lost their emergency use, um, and are only emergency okayed to use against anything other than the Omicron. They so, were, and they basically were just tabled for the time being, not yeah. necessarily, uh, you know, we, we can't, we, we're not necessarily getting rid of them forever. Right. Because they don't show any use in helping patients that are infected with the Omicron variant. Um, they did show help and help people with Delta and the previous variant before that. And they right. also said if another variant comes along that it shows that they help against, that they will reinstate the, um, FDA emergency approval CNN. for upcoming possible antibody treatments. CNN focused in on the state of Florida. Florida has closed its uh, monoclonal antibody treatment sites. Uh, I think there were just a couple of them. But the uh, uh, the day they canceled it, which was, uh, well, I guess they canceled it last night. So there were, guess how many appointments in the state of Florida were canceled today? How many? 2000. 2000. So there were plenty of people that were trying the monoclonal yeah. uh, antibodies. There are several other monoclonal antibodies that are still available. Um, I'm not, or, I mean, the. I'm not even going to try on some of these names. One of them, um, remdesivir, is still okay. Uh, Molnupiravir. Um, uh, um, and there are three others that are still okay uh, for treatment uh, against Omicron and apparently still show that you can use mm-hmm. use them effectively. So the problem with monoclonal antibodies right now is there just are not a lot of them. I, I mean, know, they're okay I, here I in Idaho, but there's just not a lot available. I know officially in Florida it was the health department that uh, decided to close those uh, monoclonal antibody sites. But Did they say uh, it, why? It, it kind of surprised me. It, it, it apparently was not Governor Ron DeSantis who made the decision because he is a big proponent of these. Did they say why they closed them? Yeah, because of the uh, FDA recommendation that uh, they uh, curtailed the use of them uh, so, un- until further notice. So maybe um, all they had was the two that yeah. are used and, and not some of the other groupings. I, I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I mean, we have supply chain disruptions with everything. Um, and one of those things we have supply chain disruptions with, of course, is uh, monoclonal antibodies. Anyway, ho- hopefully that, that gives you... A little bit of information that I know you asked for some information. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, not all monoclonal antibodies have been disallowed by the FDA. Only the ones that did are not working against uh, Omicron apparently. Which ninety nine percent of infected people have Omicron as of yesterday. Right now, yeah. Yeah. Um, text message two zero eight three three six thirty seven hundred. This person writes: I call BS on the concessions being closed at Boise State University due to COVID. They advertise free pizza for students who attend, so it can't be eating without mask problem. And if Chick-fil-A can run just fine during COVID, then they should be able to run a hot dog stand at the arena for a place that educates our best and brightest. They sure do make some dumb decisions. Okay. Yeah, I, I like I said, I, I had, we had talked earlier this morning, concession stands are, are going to be closed tonight. As a matter of fact, um, you had found, Chris, through the rest just through the rest of the month, and apparently they'll be open 
um, next week. Oh, yeah. Marine Bob sent me this information. Uh, Boise State sent out the press release that says concession sales suspended at athletic events. Given the high number of positive cases of COVID-19 on the Boise State University campus and in our surrounding community, concessions sales at all athletic events are being suspended through the end of January, which is, of course, six days from now. Unfortunately, we are seeing a significant number of cases of COVID-19 in the Treasure Valley community, Boise State Director of Athletics Jeremiah Dickey said. We are following the lead of our medical experts in helping us determine the best way forward through this pandemic while still hosting fans at our home events. And so basically it it affects three total uh, events, and, and one of them was this past Saturday, women's basketball versus Colorado State. There's tonight's men's basketball game versus Wyoming, and then on Friday the gymnastics tournament we were just talking about against mm-hmm. Southern Utah. And then apparently after that they're going to make a decision on whether to bring them back for February. And once again, this is one of those things that just, I mean, there's so many stuff about the virus over the last couple of years that make no sense when it comes to rules. You know, if, if this is serious enough that, hey, we don't want you drinking stuff or eating things while mm-hmm. at the game, why isn't it serious enough to say we don't want people at the game? It's serious, well, it, it, but you can attend. You just can't drink or eat stuff. The last part of this uh, the last part of this press release is, while no food or beverage will be permitted at seats, water stations will be available throughout the concourse of Extra Mile See, That makes arena. no sense either. Okay, but you, apparently you can't bring in your own food, which is well, of pretty, course pretty, pretty standard, but... Uh, apparently even if you have like candy bars in your purse or something, you can't just pull those out and eat them at the seats because they're not going to let you. <laughs> well, cause you didn't buy them there. And uh, yeah, it's, not, it's like, okay, we're not going to sell you water, but we'll still allow you to drink water throughout the stadium. Uh, like I said, if, if it's that serious and I don't have any inside knowledge on this, yeah. I, I just, I had just said earlier this morning that I really personally in my mind, don't think that this has to do with COVID because if it was that serious, they would cancel the ability for students and the fans to see the game. Uh, I think, I I wonder if this might have more to do with being able to staff those stands, concession stands effectively with the number of people, you know, that right now, even here in the Treasure Valley for all jobs that people are looking for jobs, especially in those particular situations. So I I don't know for a fact if that's true. I was just uh, thinking out loud. A little bit early this morning. We need to take a break. Um, we've uh, got our phone lines open, 208-336-3700. If you have a Verizon wireless phone, pound 670-1-800-529-5264. That's toll-free. You can also email us, chris at kbui.com and mike at kbui.com. Tonight at 10, it's Michael Knowles. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. We are concerned that the Russian government is preparing for an invasion in Ukraine that may result in widespread human rights violations and war crimes should diplomacy fail to meet their objectives. As part of its plans, Russia is laying the groundwork to have the option of fabricating a pretext for invasion. And we've seen this before. We saw this before leading up to 2014, just to note, uh, including through sabotage activities and information operations by accusing Ukraine of preparing an imminent attack against Russian forces in eastern Ukraine uh, and the Russian military 
plans to begin these activities several weeks before a military invasion, which could begin between mid-January and mid-February. Again, we saw this playbook before, including the widespread effort to, uh, to push out misinformation, not just in Eastern Europe, but around the global community. We have information that indicates Russia has already prepositioned a group of operatives to conduct a false flag operation in Eastern Ukraine. The operatives are trained in urban warfare and in using explosives to carry out acts of sabotage against Russia's own proxy forces. Our information also indicates that Russian influence actors are already starting to fabricate Ukrainian provocations in state and social media to justify a Russian intervention and sow divisions in Ukraine. The United States and our allies and partners are concerned about this cyber attack, and the President has been briefed. We are also in touch with the Ukrainians and have offered our support as Ukraine investigates the impact and nature and recovers from the incidents. That is uh, Press Secretary uh, Jen Psaki, the White House. What does the United States do? As you heard there, they have intelligence that from Homeland Security that Russia could launch a cyber attack against the United States. What, if anything, does the United States do if Russia is proven to have launched a cyber attack on U.S. soil. Is that a declaration of war? Do you go to war over something like that? Is is anything cyber technically on soil anywhere? Or is it just out there? Well, I think if they attack your, through a cyber attack, your uh, electrical grid, that electrical grid is on U.S. soil. That makes sense. What, in your opinion... can the United States do? Is that where you end up in an all-out war because yeah, of, of something that, that, that happens that is proven that it... I mean, it's an attack. It's not, who, it's not through military means, necessarily. You know, the guy who called in about 15 minutes ago and was talking about it said, uh, you know, just go all out. I mean, if it has to be, if, if, they're gonna, if they're going to attack somebody, then we have to respond in a way that makes them not want to attack somebody. The administration is already telling... U.S. citizens who are in Ukraine to start leaving through commercial flights as soon as possible. Pentagon has put 8,500 troops on alert as Biden consults with European allies on Ukraine. Putin has said, no, no, we're not going to, uh, we're not going to invade the Ukraine yet. The buildup, but it's like Saki said, they, uh, get themselves into position and then come up with reasons yeah. that people will buy. Which is which is what is being claimed that is being done right now, a, a false flag operation saying, you know, Russia, for example, would come in and say, oh, we have intel that uh, UK- Ukraine was ready to invade Russia, so we just did mm-hmm. this as a defensive measure. Exactly. Uh, Rich in Boise, good morning. You're on News Talk KVOI. Well, what you what you just played, Jinsaki saying that Russia was making up excuses for war, uh, doesn't that sound familiar? <laughs> Actually, <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. Go yeah, back about twenty years 20, or so. Yeah, we did that twenty years ago, but you're you're. But as far as going to war with Russia, I I don't think we want to go to war with a nuclear armed country. Uh, we just kind of want to retaliate in kind. But, uh, oh, another thing, what you said about, you thought that the staffing might be the problem. 
at the stadium for the concessions being shut down. Yeah, like everybody else says, staffing problems. Why wouldn't the university have staffing problems? Yeah, that, those, those concessions, I had a niece that she volunteered there, she, but the money went to pay for her daughter's cheerleading group. And there's a lot of groups like that that uh, mm. I think they, 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 they put up people to work and the money goes to their organizations. You know, she didn't get paid any money at all. And so you might be right on that because a lot of those organizations, the people who volunteer to do that, might not be wait, wanting wait, to Wait, do wait, it. wait, right. wait, just a second, Rich. Can you repeat that? Which part? The part where he says you might be right. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, that, yeah. Is that, never, I, Rich has never gonna, said that to you're me gonna, before. You're, so. you're going you're gonna to put that in a loop. Right? <laughs> He's never said it before. I'm just, uh, I, I about fell out of my make chair. That, make that your ringtone. <laughs> Something like that. But, but when you said that, I, I remembered that they, you know, and I figured there's probably a lot of groups, you know, that uh, the parents, you know, volunteer and then the money goes to these organizations. Instead of actually paying somebody to uh, work those. And you probably have a lot of people, a lot less people willing to uh, do that right now. And probably a lot of organizations don't necessarily need the money as, as much because of what's going on with COVID that they're not getting together like they used to. Yeah, that, that's what I thought of when you said that. And and I, I imagine, you know, I mean, this was, this was a cheerleading group and I imagine, there's a lot of organizations that do that for that's fundraisers true. and stuff, and they, they're not... They do need some professional staff, though, at each one, just to make sure things are going smoothly. But yeah. they, but you're right, they do have these clubs that uh, use that as a money-making. Rich, measure. thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Uh, I told you we did not get a winner today with the Casper and Chris. Damn near impossible question. That's four tickets to the uh, Boise Golf and Travel Show coming up the 10th, 11th, and 12th. Because we did not get a winner, we still have to give away those tickets. And their loss is your gain. Here's your chance to win it. <laughs> Caller number 6 right now, 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Just caller number 6. You don't have to answer a stupid question or anything like that. Just be ready to give us your name and want to go to the Golf and Travel Show. 208-336-3700. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. Nine thirty-five, two hundred eight, three three six, thirty-seven hundred pounds, six seventy on your Verizon Wireless. Doug in Radiant. Good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. Good morning, guys, um, including Rick Worthington. Um, I. You know, the, the conversation you're talking about with the president only in name, as Dan Bongino says, um, and his press secretary, um, Peppermint Patty, he calls her. Um, I remember back when Trump was running for president and Clinton came up and said, why, why do you want to vote for somebody that has um, is going to is threatening to press the red button and look at Biden. He's always taking the chance of doing that himself. All right. Thank you, Doug. Appreciate the call. Uh, Text message in. 
um, talking about, you know, I, I, I just thrown it out there. What do you think if we get a cyber attack proved that it came from Russia on U.S. soil, what, what should we do? Um, we need to get a blank load of A-10s in theater. Um, didn't say blank, by the way. Um, some AC-130 action wouldn't hurt either. Park some uh, 105 and 40 mic mic on those Soviet blankers. <laughs> Problem is, I mean, you know, that that's that's how um, a, uh, how did, <laughs> I can't remember how it was said, um, how a Cold War becomes a real war, and then you uh, you got to keep a real close eye on that type of stuff. Uh Lisa says, hi, Chris. Jen Saki, what is a global community? Yes, she is excluding extraterrestrials. <laughs> yeah, I imagine that would, because that would be a universal uh, or uh, a solar system community. She's an extraterrestrial ra- uh, racist. Excluding so, there. You can't so, exclude So basically, them. for short, she's just extra racist. <laughs> okay. Um, yesterday, uh, Rep- State Representative Ron Nate was on with uh, Nate Shelman, we have a lot of talk about taxes. We've got $1.9 billion and growing state surplus. So this isn't the total number, the $1.9 billion, our total operating budget, by the way. This is our operating budget plus $1.9 billion on top of that. That is a surplus above what is needed to uh, run the uh, state government. So a lot of the talk in the legislature, a lot of talk in citizens in idaho is how do we spend that money do do we give it back to some of the citizens who have paid taxes do we spend it on education we've heard you know the priorities from the governor he wants education he wants infrastructure and he wants to give money back in the form of tax rebates and tax cuts um we've been hearing a lot of rhetoric from some of the legislators who have appeared on our show over the last couple of weeks that they a lot of them want the primary thing to focus on uh, property taxes. And, and we've heard more than one legislator said nobody's interested in income taxes. N- not, I, don't, I don't know that nobody's interested. But, it's funny that they say that, though. They say nobody's yeah, the, interested the that, in income uh, tax. The way that she should have put that is it's not people's first priority, but I'm guessing everybody is still interested. Oh, yeah. State Representative Ron Nate, um, he wants to, his priority is grocery tax, repealing the mm-hmm. grocery, the temporary grocery tax. He was on Nate uh, yesterday, he's introducing House Bill 448. It's temporary uh, in, the, in the same way that life itself is temporary. <laughs> or that taxes are temporary, right? Yeah, um, death and taxes. Anyway, he uh, introduced uh, House Bill 448 to repeal the grocery uh, tax. This was his thoughts uh, yesterday, you heard on Nate Shelman's show. One way to help households right now, repeal the tax on groceries. It's immediate tax relief, and it's ongoing. It's not like one of these one-time rebates that Little is doing in his income tax bill. This will be forever until you have a weak legislature that would, re- that would uh, put a tax back on at some point. You also voted for the uh, tax rebate as well, correct? Um, I did. I mean, okay. it's, there's all sorts of tax burdens on families right now. It's part of a three-legged stool. Let's let's reduce income taxes, get the tax off groceries, and reduce or repeal uh, property taxes too. There, there are plus is unprecedented. There are uh, Idahoans who get a tax rebate, and uh, that tax rebate is based on what they spend on groceries. You know, their income level, 
taxes. They get they're, they're supposed to get the tax back on what they spend on groceries, and a lot of people don't want to get rid of that. Does your bill get rid of the tax rebate for those who are under a certain uh, income bracket? That is a great question. In the past, to propose grocery tax repeal, we have had to take away part of that tax credit. But with a approaching $2 billion surplus, that my bill keeps that tax credit in place. It's not even touched at all. Everyone still gets that tax credit, and the tax is removed from groceries. It's a win-win. Oh, once again, State so, Representative uh, Ron Nate on with Nate Shellman so yesterday. They, so they would still get a, a, a rebate, or they would still get money that is given to them because there is no grocery tax, even after there's grocery tax? Apparently. Hmm. Or maybe I mean, they well, would maybe, maybe they would get a rebate on ta- sales taxes. Period that you still a, pay that doesn't fit under the grocery tax repeal. Being an average shopper, consumer, and taxpayer, I'm thinking, hey, not a bad idea. Uh, Nate also asked uh, Representative uh, Ron Nate, uh, what are the chances of House Bill 448 uh, getting a committee hearing? First of all, revenue tax is where it should be heard, but that committee chair, Representative Steve Harris, has dug in and he said he won't hear it. And and I asked him, I said, you know you're taking all responsibility for this on your shoulders. And he said, absolutely. And so he's dug in on it. If he changed his mind, it could get a hearing. And I guarantee I could get the votes in the, in the committee and through the house and all the way through that one person. I don't know if he's under the direction of leadership or not, but he's really dug in and he says he won't hear it. Therefore, my only other option is to send it to the, is to submit it as a personal bill and the speaker automatically sends personal bills to Ways and Means where they're supposed to die. But uh, I'm, I'm not giving up. I'm going to work every angle on this to get it through the Revenue Tax Committee, get it as a personal bill, to, to work through the Senate. Maybe there's a way to do it over there, but I'm exploring every avenue to do this because I hear people around the state saying they want to get rid of grocery tax, they want to reform property tax. I haven't heard anyone asking for income tax, but for some reason, that was the first one to go through, and I think it was a cronyism bill. There you have. Another representative said that nobody is asking for income tax relief. Um, Don't know whether that's true or not. However, a survey, 7th Annual Survey, Boise State University's Idaho Public Policy Survey came out, and taxes and what the legislature should do about them um, were one of the questions asked. When asked what type of relief Idahoans would prefer, 37% said property tax. 37% said income tax. So when you say nobody is asking for it, they still want to see it because it's tied as the number one tax relief they want, property tax and income tax relief. Nowhere was the grocery tax elimination mentioned in the survey. Last year, Idahoans were split between whether property taxes were too high or about right. This year, 46% of Idahoans think they're too high, and 41% think they're just about right. People in Canyon County expect the, express the most property tax concern, with 58% saying they're too high. And if you're wondering why, because Canyon County has some of the highest property taxes in the state of Idaho, for those of you who don't know. Concerned citizen wrote in and says, I am not sure why you won't mention this. But if there is a surplus, it means we, the people, have paid in too much. It should be corrected, and we should get our money back. No, we've mentioned that. Yeah, uh, we've not only mentioned I don't, it. I don't think we harp on it, since that's kind of obvious, really. The, govern- the governor has said it the times he's been on with us. Uh, he said it in his State of the State. 
um, that you heard here on News Talk KBOI just after the first of the year. And legislators have also said mm-hmm. the reason part of the reason that we have a surplus is because we're charging too much taxes on corporations, businesses, and individuals in the state of Idaho. It's like buying a car. If you've got, say, let's say that you've saved up and have $150,000 in the bank and you want to buy a car that's going to be less than $50,000, but you think to yourself, I can't do that. I can't do that at all because if I did that, then I wouldn't have that 150000 anymore. <laughs> I want to have my cake and eat it too. <sighs> Problem is, if you do that in bed, you find yourself in a crummy situation. And mother said, never sleep with crumbs. The uh, Dow. Down 450, according, according to Judy Holiday, anyway. seven points as of right now. All three indexes continue to be down uh, after the amazing day yesterday of being over 1,100 points down at one point and then clawing its way back to a 100-point gain. As I mentioned yesterday, as I, I as I had seen before I left the studio here around noontime yesterday, that the Dow was was down about 1,000 points. So no. last night I said, well, I want to see how bad it really got. What was the destruction like? And I checked it out, and it was up 99 points, and I thought I was looking at the wrong day. And you were so disappointed. I just couldn't believe that uh, over 1,200-point turnaround from noon (laughs) to the final two hours of the close. You had uh, yourself all set for terrible news and didn't get it. See, here's the thing. As of right now, I I don't think this is terrible news. We're due for a correction. We haven't had a correction, you know, since the pandemic hit, and... Right now, the NASDAQ, I know, is in correction territory. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to see it down 20%. But yesterday, and as we talked with Jeremiah Bates a little bit earlier this morning, uh, he said a lot of this was uh, automatic buying yesterday, that certain levels were hit. And as soon as certain stocks went to these near record levels over the past two or three years, that all of a sudden it hit computer um programs to say buy these things because they are massively on sale right now which caused the stock market to turn around around 1100 points Mm -hmm. um, as of yesterday will we see the same thing today so far every day this year it's been so volatile some days we'll see up two to three hundred points by the time we leave and are off the air only to find out an hour or two later it completely switches around and is either up or down another 203 300 points or not uh, or or so. So we'll see if that happens uh, again today. There's a lot of uh, things going on having to do with this uh, increase, increase in taxes. You got, um, you know, estimates for how much companies are making and the whole thing weighing on, as we've been talking about this morning, what's going on in the Ukraine with uh, Russia also weighing on that. We'll take a break. We got one more segment on the way. If you want to get through right now, final chance to do that. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Remember, if you missed any part of Casper and Chris this morning, check out their podcast on the KBOI app or on KBOI.com. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. You can uh, email us, Mike at KBOI.com, Chris at KBOI.com. Uh, text us, 208-336-3700. Uh, that is our main number to also call in. Also, as well as toll-free, 1-800-529-5264. Or if you have a Verizon wireless phone, you can just hit pound 670. Uh, Tony um, is in Meridian calling us this morning, but uh, Tony is from Texas uh, listening to us in Meridian. Tony, you're not moving here, Correct. Because we're full. No, sir. No, sir I'm not. I, I'm happy to be in Texas at this point. Uh, <laughs> hey, thanks I'm, for I'm finding actually, us uh, and listening this morning. We appreciate that. 
Absolutely. You know, I was driving into the area yesterday. I'm visiting my son and his family in Kuna. And I, uh, wait, I wait, 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 wait. Tony, I'm going to help you out here since you're visiting. The proper way to pronounce it is Kuna. I, you know, and I knew that, and for whatever reason, I it came out Kuna. I know it's Kuna. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you for that. I was, just, you know, I was just helping to make sure you don't stick out while you're visiting. Uh, yeah, you come down to Texas, I'll teach you when and how to use y'all and pluralize Deal. it. Deal. Yeah. So that'll work. Uh, but I'm visiting them in Cuna. I was driving in yesterday. I heard Nate's program. And honestly, you know how it works. Normal is what goes on in your family and in your home. And I've never lived in a state where they had a tax on groceries. So I was stunned to hear that interview yesterday and some of the comments. Uh, I, I am curious, how does that impact the SNAP, SNAP card uh, holders? They, um, from what I understand, do not have to pay taxes on their groceries. They also do not get a tax grocery credit at the end of the year. Okay. Oh, so, so there is a, a grocery credit that, that taxpayers get? Yes. Every, every year, um, taxpayers in Idaho get a grocery tax credit back at the end of the year. Um, but since they haven't paid in to any of the uh, grocery taxes, uh, because with their SNAP card, they don't get a tax credit back at the end of the year. Okay, I understand. Well, uh, I am curious. I heard some whack nutty yesterday saying that the grocery taxes is the ultimate fair tax because you're paying taxes on what you're getting. But uh, I'm sorry. My mother is 91 years old. She qualifies for food stamps, but she would never get it because of her pride and dignity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the best way to be compassionate I think, to the hungry and the poor is to not tax and not let the government get them into their refrigerator or onto their table. Well, one thing, uh, and we'll let you go, Tony, we're just about out of time here. Um, You should know that the uh, sales tax was supposed to be temporary and only last two years. That was what, 14 years ago, Chris? Is that really close? 14, 13, 14 years ago, something like that, that they started the sales grocery, the temporary grocery sales tax. I'm not exactly what year. I'm not exactly sure what year it was, but that sounds about right. Yeah. Thank you for the call. It's the old old adage of if you give them an inch, they think they're a ruler. That's pretty good. Uh, Thank you, Tony, and appreciate you listening while you're in town. Uh, Enjoy your your stay in our, our great state. That's about all the time uh, we have for today. We'll talk more about this uh, coming up not only tomorrow morning, but the rest of the Idaho legislature, because uh, I'm sure this is going to be uh, discussed and cussed uh, by Democrats and Republicans alike uh, about whether or not they get their favorite tax cuts. So we'll be talking more about it. Have yourself a great day. We're on a 20-hour break, and we'll be back tomorrow morning.